You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production, enhancing your Philly sports experience. What's going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the latest Birds Banter podcast presented to you by PHL Sports Nation and sponsored by Anchor. It's Matt and Logan back with another podcast. And like we talked about last week, the NFL trade dot deadline was coming quick. It, it um, passed us Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, and the Eagles really didn't make a splash like people expected. They um, left the trade deadline with acquiring Jannard Avery from the uh, Cleveland Browns. He was acquired for a 2020 fourth-round pick. So um, before we get into, you know, what the trade deadline brought to the Eagles, you know, the a reaction about the Eagles not making a move because a lot of people were really disappointed that they didn't, you know, make a big splash and bring in a high caliber player like a lot of people expected. But they did come back with a um, versatile defensive line or a defensive lineman and linebacker um, who should have a lot of success on this team as a rotational player and has a lot of promise in the future. So, Logan, what's your initial reaction from this move to get Avery? Yeah, it's another one of those kind of dart throws for the front office, similar to the Duke Riley trade. But Jannard Avery, he his rookie season, he had uh, 4.5 sacks and five games started. So there is some potential there. But this year, he's been, for the most part, a healthy scratch for the Browns. He's kind of been phased out of the scheme there. So he wasn't really a fit there. So they were able to bring him in. Um, it may not be the biggest impact on the defensive line, but with some of the guys injured, like Tim Jernigan, Josh Sweat suffered an injury last game. It could provide at least a little bit of a help with um, the depth there. So, yeah, it's definitely not the splashy trade many people were expecting, but it should at least help some. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting trade deadline. It was very quiet. Um, but in terms of Jannard Avery, it's kind of what we expected a little bit, not a super big trade, and it should help them. But, yeah, definitely not the splashy move that some thought would happen. Yeah, Avery was a fifth-round pick in the 2018 NFL draft. So, um, really, the Browns kind of – flipped him for a higher pick, um, kind of just took a risk on letting him walk and or get traded away and um, hope that he's not going to develop into a phenomenal player. Um, they just kind of, you know, got the pick that they needed um, in the future and moved on from him. But, I mean, I assumed that the Eagles were going to make a bigger move, which we'll get into later, but um, I'm not opposed to making this trade. I know a lot of people were like, fourth-round pick, I don't even know who this guy is, but it is not this upcoming draft it's the next one 2021 so it does give the eagles some space they can always make another move you know how he's always you know acquiring those compensatory picks or making lower level trades to get picks back so i'm really not concerned about losing a fourth round pick and it just shows that they have faith in him you know they're investing into the future because he's a younger player and they want to make sure that um, they have you know depth on their defensive line and linebackers you know out of college I'm looking at his draft profiles and everything, what was written about him. A lot of people liked how he was so versatile, and we have harped on that so many times before, how the Eagles love versatile players, and he can um, rush the quarterback, he can drop into coverage, or just play traditional DN uh, and linebacker. So, you know, you 
really can't go wrong with this. I know a lot of people were unhappy about the pick, but you're not going to be seeing that pop up on the board until 2021. So really nothing to be concerned about. They still are holding all their picks that, for this upcoming season, and um, they're getting a player out of it. So I like the move. Uh, I know a lot of people expected something more, but I think he will do pretty well for this team, and his versatility will really thrive in this defense where they love that versatility. Yeah, one thing to point out, though, is um, this will be the third defensive end that they've technically used a fourth-round pick on over a four-year period. So two years ago, they took Josh Sweat in the fourth round. Last year, they took Sharif Miller. Now, 2021, one of their fourth-round picks will be another. The end will be the Jannard Avery move. So it does kind of show a little bit of the struggles with the front office in terms of really hitting on their picks. They're kind of just hoping that eventually it's going to work out. So I think that's kind of where some of the frustration is coming from. But in terms of the player himself, he definitely does have upside. And um. I mean, if you look at the replies to the Browns' tweet when they said that they traded him, I mean, some of the Browns fans were literally outraged that they made the move. So there's clearly something there. A lot of people really feel like he could be a diamond in the rough for the Eagles where they kind of just steal him away from the Browns and all of a sudden becomes a great player. And he'll be playing alongside Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, where he'll have a chance to thrive because defenses or offenses won't be keen on him. They'll be looking at other guys. So he will have an opportunity to step up. And as soon as this Sunday, we could really see – just the initial impacts of getting them on the team. Yeah, the situation really remember it reminds me of like, say, a Deshaun Hall on this team. You know, somebody that's not getting all the snaps that he could get, but you don't want to see them leave the team because you think they have a ton of upside. I think that's how the Browns viewed Jannard Avery, and they're thinking to themselves, yeah, he's not in a huge role right now, but we've seen potential. We know what he can do, and we just let him walk for a fourth-round pick. I'd rather keep the player around. So... The fact that people have faith in him and um, believe that he could turn into um, a great player in the future is really promising for the Eagles. And um, just to review their trade habits in the past couple of seasons, they've made two pretty big trades in in season um, past two years. So obviously we know that the Eagles acquired JHI in 2017 for a fourth round pick. And that was an amazing trade for them. You know, it really helped them compete as a Super Bowl team they had one of the best running back groups in the entire league and um, that helped them not only that year but the year after before he got hurt he was playing pretty good football but it just goes to show that you know trades don't always work out yeah he brought the Super Bowl ring um, to the team but in future years everybody thought he could be the running back of the future he's young he's cheap right now and we got him locked in we can give him a contract extension now he's a free agent um, going back to last year when they traded a third round pick for golden tate you know he walks the next the uh, following offseason you know he only played a few games with the eagles we've talked about golden tate many times he's remembered for one catch that's basically it so i think Harry roseman kind of noticed that sometimes trades don't work out you know sometimes you don't want to make a move just to make a move and make the fan base happy or try to spark some, you know, adrenaline and stuff into this team because you got to make something that's smart for this team. I think that's really what they did with Avery. They didn't want to, you know, overpay for or um, overtrade for a player out there that might not be on the team next year. It might not contribute as much as they expected him to. Yeah, and I think that's kind of just like a symptom of what the market was like this year because. We know with Howie Roseman, he doesn't like overpaying in trades. He doesn't like overpaying in contracts. And this season especially, it seems like every single guy that really would have been a big contributor, the price was a little inflated of what it really should have been. So that's why we saw a kind of lower trade like Jannard Avery instead of them making a bigger move because 
in, in reality, you're not going to pay up a top pick for a guy that's not going to be here anymore. So with Avery, they spend a pick that's not going to be really affecting them until two years from now. And he's very cheap. His, uh, his max cap hits like slightly over 800,000. He's under contract through 2021. So he's one of those guys where they can keep him in the system. They can groom him and really try to get him up to speed and become a factor on the team. So it, the market kind of forced him into a trade like that, but this kind of trade, it may not on paper seem like the biggest thing, but for a team that's trying to get younger, for a team that's trying to be good for the long term, this is definitely a move to at least be encouraged about. And who knows, maybe Gennard Avery just does become a starting defensive end, becomes a really big impact on the team. Yeah, definitely. At the very least, I believe he can be a factor in special teams just because of his versatility. Um, you got guys like Rudy Ford and Duke Riley who are um, lower level players on this team and might be subjects to cuts in the future if they need to make some roster moves, but they're almost just special teams pieces at this point. So if they are comfortable with Gennard Avery moving to special teams for the time being and getting limited snaps on defense, if he's not going to really find his role yet um, in the next couple of games, then it could help them out um, in that realm as well. So really a lot of upside for this trade. I'm not opposed to it at all. Um, I like that they made a move, but they didn't make a move just to, you know, do it just to say, oh, we made a trade, you know, we did what we had to do because really they weren't forced to make a trade. But after they beat the Bills, um, we mentioned it in our previous podcast. If they won that game, they're back to 500. They're in pretty good shape. I mean, you know, not the best shape, but um, they're just half a game behind the Cowboys and they might want to make a move to take them to the next level and really, really go for uh, the first place in the NFC East. But obviously, the um, star-studded trade did not happen. And after the Bills game, there was rumors going everywhere. You know, everybody was saying the Eagles were going to possibly trade for a few players, trade away a player. We had rumors that they were shopping Big V. Um, Nelson Aguilar, his name's always thrown around. You don't know how much truth there is to that. Um, but there was names thrown everywhere. And really nothing came about. Um, they were interested in acquiring Darius Slay at some point, Chris Harris Jr., Robbie Anderson, a ton of talent that the Eagles were linked to or talent that they could have been trading away. But really nothing happened. Logan, what do you think about um, how the Eagles responded to those blockbuster trades and didn't really make anything happen out of it? Yeah, I think it's kind of like what I said before. It's just kind of a symptom of what the market was. Every single guy's price was super inflated. So if you look at some of the trades leading up to the trade deadline. You had the Patriots trading away a second-round pick from Muhammad Sanu. You had the uh, Broncos getting a third and a fifth for Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Jalen Ramsey getting two first-round picks and a second. A lot of teams were getting really big um, packages for guys that some were expiring, some weren't playing well, some simply didn't want to be there. And that's just kind of how the market was. So if you look at Chris Harris, he's a guy who's over 30, has some injury troubles, and is a free agent after this year. The Broncos wanted a second-round pick for him. That's not a smart move. Then you look at Robbie Anderson. The Jets wanted a second-round pick for him. He's a very talented receiver, but he's a free agent after this year. So, again, doesn't make sense. And then you look at the lines with Darius Slay. They they weren't exactly shopping him. They are kind of more taking calls on him. And um, the Eagles could have had him if they wanted to, but that would have been two first there as well. So, really, they are in a spot where it was overpay or do nothing. And like I said with Harry Roseman, he's not going to overpay, so ultimately – um, Eagles really just had to stay put and didn't make any big jumps like some hope, but in total, it kind of really makes sense. Yeah, there's the narrative going around now that Howie isn't good at drafting, which is 
you can take either side. He has good picks, he has bad picks, but really got to you know improve in the future. But nonetheless, he loves his draft picks. He's he loves getting those compensatory picks. If he can flip, you know, say LJ Ford, if he can cut him and get that fourth round pick, he's going to take that any day. So. I think that just goes to show that he's not going to go wasting picks just because he wants to make a move. He wants to spark something in this team because you have to look at years in the future. Going back to Jalen Rams, I know this is a hot topic and um, it's done, but just going back to it, he's he needed a ton of picks to get pride away from Jacksonville and he's going to need a contract extension next offseason. So the fact that you would have to be giving up so much draft capital in the future and a lot of money when you're already linked to money with Carson Wentz, Fletcher Cox, Zacherts, all those big time players. That's not really a smart move for the team. I know it was a fan favorite move, but really didn't make a whole lot of sense. Same thing with Chris Harris. You're trading a second round pick. You know, it might look decent right now because you're going to get a get a uh, pretty good corner out of it. But it's not like he's going to shut down the wide receiver all game. Logan's mentioned that before, how it's not like he's just going to take away receiver and get zero yards every single game. He's going to be subject to getting exposed every once in a while. And you're giving up a second round pick. You run the risk of him um, not not even being on the team next season. And then you're out of a pick. And a lot of people always regret, like, uh, we shouldn't have made that trade. We want that pick back. Having with Golden State last year. So I think that they really handled this well. They did their due diligence. They called about players, and that's really all they could do. You know, find out what the market is. I think the Patriots really messed the wide receiver market up with Mohamed Sanu. I mean, the Patriots were willing to spend, and they could do it because they're the best team in the NFL right now. But Robbie Anderson, the Jets viewed him as equal or even better than Mohamed Sanu, so why not ask for a second-round pick when I believe the Eagles um, would have traded about a fourth-round pick for him. So... I don't think he's worth a second round pick. It's just whenever one trade happens before the NFL deadline or in the off season, it's just based on the market at that point. It's not based on the player. Yeah. Players factor into it, their skills, their contracts and stuff, but teams look at the market. If somebody's going for a second round pick and their player is almost as good as that, they're going to ask for the same thing because they want to be able to match that and get that substantial pick back in return. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head with that. And I wrote about the, Robbie Anderson situation what I said was if I'm the Eagles I'm only trading a third round pick for him if I know for a fact he's going to resign you're trading a second round pick for a guy who may leave and if you're trading a second round pick for any guy who has a chance of being playing eight games and leaving you're only making that trade with the assumption that you're going to win the Super Bowl if you come up any short of that in total that trade's a failure because really if you're trading one of your top two picks for a guy you're banking on getting that ring on your finger. And as we've said multiple times, it's not like they were only a wide receiver away or only a cornerback away or only a defensive tackle away. They had multiple holes and they're not in a position as the third oldest team to be trading away top picks for a guy who may be gone and is already not the biggest um, contributor possible. So the market, it just really didn't uh, shape up to how the Eagles wanted it to be. And they can only do so much, you know, Kyrie Roseman can't dupe every team into a trade where he just completely robs them and he gets a great player. And in terms of the draft narrative, I know he has had some misses, but his first round picks have been probably 90% very good. You look at, he got Jalen Mills in, what was it, the sixth or seventh round? Seventh. Yeah, seventh round. He got Avante Maddox in the fourth round, Dallas Goddard in the second round. He's not that bad of a drafter. He has misses, but so does every GM in football. You're not going to hit on 100% of your picks, so. For a team that's this old, they need those picks, and you can't just assume he's going to mess it up. There's This is a very good draft class coming up. you got 
a ton of secondary players, really good wide receivers. They really could go in a number of directions, and they should get it right. I know they've got it wrong a few times in the past, but just you have to have confidence in the front office, and you have to maintain the picks, and you can't just give what the market says, even if it doesn't make sense for your team. So, yeah, the Eagles didn't make a big trade, but they still have some of the pieces here, and they still have some of their picks going forward because hopefully the world isn't ending after this year. Hopefully we still have football. <laughs> for years to come so you can't just play to win right now and completely sell your future because you have a quarterback locked up for the next five years for over 100 million dollars you have other guys on big contracts so you have to play to that it's not just about this year it's about the next five years and in in that thinking Howard Roseman really did all he could so you really can't be that upset with him yeah definitely I want to comment on that wide receiver position situation but um going back to Howard Roseman real quick before I do that I think the whole narrative of him being a bad drafter I think that just comes from the fans once and maybe the team's wants and needs at that point when we're going into the 2019 draft and the Eagles were desperate for a defensive lineman everybody thought that they were going to take a deep tackle at least or maybe a D end of their first round pick then they come out with Sharif Miller possibly even a reach in the fourth round pick and years passed when we're like okay we need a uh, the Eagles need a cornerback and then they get, you know, Rasul Douglas in the third or a pick like that. Um, it kind of makes fans angry because they don't get the return that they want. Um, they think that a cornerback, defensive lineman, whatever is the first priority. And then when the board doesn't fall in their favor, they have to wait a couple of rounds and it just doesn't work out. And Harry Roseman has to wait to make the best pick possible for his team with the most value. And fans just don't really like that. So I think that's where the whole narrative is coming from. But um, going back to the wide receiver market and Robbie Anderson, it really opened my eyes to um, really how I think how he was thinking about this because you have Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson locked into a pretty good amount of money for the next two years. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, I was looking at his numbers the other day. I believe he had like a 10 million um, dead cap hit if he was cut over the offseason. So really, if they wanted to move on from him for whatever reason, they're going to they're gonna feel it financially. So that wouldn't be a smart move. Um, if they want to get younger and they want to bring new guys in, it's not like Alshon's going to be leaving unless he gets traded. Um, same with Deshaun. They really haven't even seen his potential yet. They saw it in week one, but they know what he's capable of. They want to keep him around. So getting a guy like Robbie Anderson in, someone that's in a contract year and needs money over the offseason, I believe wasn't they were, the Eagles were uh, the number one team with money invested in their wide receivers this season? Um, the top three guys? It was around that, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you had Alshon at around 15, Deshaun around 10 or 12, and then Nelson at 9. So I would yeah. assume that they're at least in the top five. Yeah, ton of money. So when you have that much money, I understand Nelson Aguilar – will probably not be here next season and um, he's just on that fifth year option right now that's why it's so expensive but when you have that much money invested right now especially your top two guys that are getting older you're not going to want to bring in somebody first of all for a second round pick second of all someone that's going to need to get paid this offseason when you should be trying to get even younger and look to the draft and draft for you know cheaper deals and stuff like that uh, we mentioned that so many times before when you're so tied to your key players contract-wise when you got a quarterback that's now in the $30 million a year realm. You have to start making those picks um, happen, and you can't just bring in high-caliber players whenever you want because the finance is just not going to work. I know Javi can work the numbers pretty well, but he's not that good. I mean, nobody can do that. Money is money. Numbers are numbers, and you can only work it so much. You can't just bring in whoever you want and expect it to all work out on its own. 
Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned Deshaun Jackson. I think guys like that, um, in a sense where they're injured, is kind of kind of where how he was thinking too, in terms of they didn't really have to make a big move in their mind because you have so you have in the secondary you have Avante Maddox, who's probably gonna be back this week. Trayvon LeBlanc is eligible to be activated off IR, even though it probably won't happen this week. Then you move to receiver where they have a big need. Deshaun has a chance to play this week. So if you get him back, there goes your wide receiver problem. So you already don't need to make a trade. You can speculate about if he can stay healthy, but if he's playing, you just have to assume that he's going to be all right. And then you say, oh, well, we have pass rushing problems. Okay, so you're going to have Tim Jernigan most likely coming back for the Patriots game. You have uh, at linebacker, they have some troubles. You have Nigel Bradham probably coming back for the Patriots game where his leadership will be very useful for them. So in a way, it's kind of like the Eagles are making a trade without losing any picks because they're getting guys back that they've been without for the majority of the season because when they got blown out by the Vikings and blown out by the Cowboys, there was no Deshaun, no Tim Jernigan, no Avante Maddox, no Nigel Bradham, no Craven LeBlanc. They have all these guys coming back who are significant contributors, can be very big uh, pieces of the team. And so when you have those guys coming back, it's it doesn't feel as urgent as it seems to make a big move. Obviously, if you bring in another guy, it kind of bolsters everything. But at four and four, they can't be making big trades and knowing that they have these guys coming back you don't want to kind of mess with the chemistry when it's already kind of weird when you have guys who haven't played but will be coming back. So I think that kind of also shows that they just have faith in those guys to be a factor instead of just making a big move and trying to shake things up because it really wasn't needed. And when they get those guys back, they will be in a good position to challenge the Cowboys for the division. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're going to, like Logan said, he you can list who they're going to get back. And it seems like the timing is perfect right now. They're getting everybody back either this week after the bye um you know Deshaun Jackson I would honestly like to see him just sit out another week you know get 100% healthy because he can take this week off and then go into the bye week um recover even more but that's just my opinion you got you know your defense stepping up with Jernigan and um Nigel Bradham Craven LeBlanc who hasn't even played this year so that could be a huge boost to the secondary we know what he could do last year uh, that'll definitely be helpful in the slot because there's been a lot of inconsistent play and um starting problems there so that's definitely helpful you know the running back position miles sanders did get banged up he should be good to go they labeled him as day-to-day but um we obviously the eagles are up pretty high when that injury happened but we saw what that did to the team when he went down it's all of a sudden just jordan howard and boston scott so that should help out a little bit when uh darren sproles comes back from his injury so not really sure when that would be i would imagine it's after the bye um so i mean I do like how Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, and the entire team is having faith in their guys inside the organization. Yeah, they brought in Jannard Avery to you know plan for the future and add a little bit of spark to this defense or special teams, whatever he, his role is going to be for the time being. But they looked at their team and they said, we're getting back on track, we're looking better, and we're still without our starting players. Um, you know, If you look at the Eagles' injury reports and their um, inactive players, week-to-week basis ever since the Falcons game, honestly, after they lost to the Falcons, they're all almost starting players. They're losing out on big-time players because of injury, and uh, it's really hurting the team. I know that you need to you know, show that you need to step up and have your backups produce, but we can all agree that Matt Collins can't produce as much as Deshaun Jackson can. He doesn't even have uh, any receptions in the month of October, so the fact that you're losing out on guys that were supposed to be starting on your team because of injury, um, it shows that 
they're going to be back on track. They're they're playing better right now, but once they get back to full health, uh, it's definitely going to come all together, I believe, and it's going to help this team develop so much more because they learned how to play without them. They had some tough losses without those players, but once they're back at full strength and get those key players, players back they're going to look so much better and the guys that are stepping up right now will be able to produce um maybe with limited roles but they have the experience now and they'll be ready to go yeah for sure and it kind of sends the message to pretty much saying to the entire team that you're enough you know we don't think that we need to bring in another guy because we think everyone in this room is capable of winning and whether they are a super bowl contending team or whether they're not um, in the team's mind, that doesn't really matter because they think it is, and they think that when they get these guys back, they'll be a team that can be among the best teams in the NFL. And before the season, we we can all agree that they were one of those teams. And some, the only guy that they're really missing from that picture is Malik Jackson, but I don't think having him or not having him is um, really something that's going to drastically change the situation. Obviously, you'd like to have him, but really they have most of their guys coming back, and when they get him back, you know, on paper, they're one of the best teams. Obviously, you don't play football on paper, but it just kind of the whole season they've been without them. So when you get them back, you would hope that they get back to that level. And um, another thing Doug Peterson said, too, was, you know, given all the troubles over the last few weeks where you had the Orlando Scandrick thing, you had the anonymous source thing, it wasn't really the right time to throw a new face into the locker room, knowing that you just overcame these troubles. You don't want to bring in a new guy and really risk um, damaging that um, trust and confidence that you finally rebuilt. So there, there's a lot of things to consider, but in terms of both the locker room and who they have, I think it just shows that there's faith there and they just want to be patient. You know, you don't always have to make the big jump. And before the season, everyone was confident that these guys were enough and that these guys couldn't win at all. And who knows, maybe when they do get them back, they will play like that. And we will learn very fast that they are one of the best teams. They'll face the Patriots, they'll face the Seahawks. So we're going to find out soon, but it, it just kind of goes to show that they have confidence in this team and they really want to see what they're capable of doing. Yeah, it's funny how it works, how everybody was so hyped about the Eagles going into the season and then they have a little bit of struggles, a little bit of injuries, and everybody wants these key players to come through. And when it doesn't happen, um, everybody's kind of disappointed, it seems like. But looking back on it, just you got to remember how everybody thought about this team going into the season. And everybody thought that they were Super Bowl contenders, which at full health, I believe they'll be back right in that conversation because they're going to string together some good wins and they're going to be back on track, hopefully past the Cowboys for first the NFC East and try to get back in that playoff uh, position. But, you know, they have a great opportunity to go uh, go out and improve as a team, improve as their with their record wise, because they got a matchup against the Bears at home. They're back at home after three weeks on the road, which is a great chance to get back on track yet again. I know they had a big win against the Bills, but do it in front of the home crowd, get a few guys, possibly Deshaun Jackson back, and ride that momentum into the bye week and use all that time to prepare for the Patriots. Get the key players back that didn't return against the Bears, get healthy all around, and figure out what you need to do for the second half of the season. Uh, I think that's this is really good timing for all this to come through because uh, the Eagles are struggling. They're at 500 right now, but they have a definitely great opportunity to turn it around right now can't wait any more weeks and like logan said about um showing that confidence in your team and your players that you have in-house right after the trade deadline passed i believe um jalen mills posted a picture on twitter of him and ronald darby and the caption was breaking news and it was just the two of them standing there on the field kind of showing like we didn't we 
don't need a move. We're the guys now. This is your starting cornerback duo. We don't need, you know, Chris Harris, Darius Slay. These are your guys. We're the guys that, you know, we're on the team the past couple of years. Stand by us, you know, show us the love that we need, and we're going to go do it. I love the confidence out of him. And like I said before, he came back from injury. I think he's really going to spark a lot of confidence in the secondary with his um, confident play. And he's always willing to step up against any receiver in the league and if he makes a mistake you know he's getting that finger ready to wag the next play so um he's always bringing the energy to the field and i think that's really sparking the secondary going from you know guys like ronald darby and Sidney jones who have struggled but also crave on the blanc and avante max who are going to return from injury soon so having that group at full health but having the leaders back confident and having the confidence in their coaching staff that you know you're the guys you're good to go then I think that's really going to help the team going forward, get that uh, confidence and try to string some wins together and get back on track. Yeah, and right now I kind of think it's even more than confidence. You know, when Jalen Mills came back, these last two games, he's played very well. He's honestly exceeded my expectations in terms of he hasn't played football in a year. And his first two games, he played really well. He didn't allow any big plays. He was really always right on the ball when when the pass came his way. You had Ronald Darby come back last game and, First half, it looked like he was still getting um, his feet wet a little bit, just kind of getting used to it. And then second half, we really saw kind of like the old Ronald Darby where he was locking down the receivers, making plays on the ball. And if you think about it, those are the two starting corners that they had in the Super Bowl run. And this group is pretty much the same as that. And really the only difference is you're placing Patrick Robinson with Avante Maddox and Crave on LeBlanc. And if you ask me, that's an upgrade. So the secondary, is, it's getting there. Like they have their two starters. They're getting their depth back. It, it's really close to being what we hoped it would be. And before the season, both of us said, we think that this is going to be one of the best Eagles secondaries in years. And when everyone gets together, it's going to be a really good group. So like you said, you don't need a Chris Harris to come in and say, oh, I'm here. We're better now because they really don't need that. I know a lot of uh, fans are pessimistic about the secondary considering what's happened the last few weeks, but that was without Jalen Mills. That was without Ronald Darby. And, Darby's had his struggles, but when he's 100%, he's proved that he's a starting cornerback in the NFL. There's a reason why the Eagles wanted to, uh, wanted to bring him back, why they stole him from the Chiefs. So, you know, it, that secondary is going to start producing really well, and it's coming at a great time because you have the prolific Patriots offense and the really good Seahawks offense too. So it's coming at a good time, and um, I think this week too, especially if we get Avante Maddox back, the confidence is going to start to set in where you say, okay, these guys are actually legit, now we can feel good about it hey, maybe we didn't need to make a trade, and they didn't. So it shows the secondary that they have the confidence. And so far, at least last week, we saw that they're ready to step up and be a very big part of the team. Yeah, we've mentioned before how um, a good defensive line makes the whole defense better because it starts up front. But if the cornerbacks can hold that coverage when they're at full health, if they can hold that coverage for another second or two, then the defensive linemen are going to have so much more opportunity to get it to the quarterback and I know Josh Allen escaped the pressure a lot because he's just a good dynamic quarterback, but you know Tom Brady's not going to be doing stuff like that. Russell Wilson will definitely haunt you with that, but you're going to be facing a lot of quarterbacks in the future that can't really do what Josh Allen can or what Russell Wilson will do. So having the ability to cover those receivers for a little bit more, just that split second, and not give up a big play right off the bat, then the defensive lineman, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they're going to be getting in there at the quarterback. I know Jannard Avery's going to be playing a lot because Jim Schwartz loves to rotate his defensive lineman, especially with the uh, 
thin position of the defensive tackle. I know Tim Jernigan will be back soon, but right now they're super thin, so they can push Brandon Graham inside more often and put Avery on the outside or put him at linebacker, whatever they want. It's going to give so much more opportunity for those guys to get their sacks, get their pressures, and just make the whole defense look better. You know, you can count on either side of the defensive, uh, the defense as a whole, either the front or the back. But I think the both groups are going to be back to full health soon. They're both going to be above average, not the best, but not bad. And it's going to look good. It's going to come uh, come together. They don't need to be a top defense in the league and score touchdowns every single week. I know that looks really good when a team like the Patriots, their defense is dominated every single week. But when you have an explosive offense that's going to get Deshaun Jackson back and hopefully their play calling can get back on track, then they're going to be putting a lot of more points up on the board and they're not going to need to shut down the other team every single possession. They won't have that much pressure to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think the return or eventual return of Nigel Bradham can't be overlooked either because right now you're with a group that has Camus Grugier-Hill pretty much being the number one guy. And then you have guys like TJ Edwards who aren't super experienced kind of having to carry the load outside of that. And when you face a guy like Josh Allen or Russell Wilson, it's kind of hard to contain him because you don't have linebackers with the knowledge and just the all-around football IQ to be able to spy him a little bit, know the tendencies of the of running quarterbacks. But when you get Nigel Bradham in there, that kind of allows Camus Grugier-Hill to kind of freelance a little bit more, maybe be the spy of quarterbacks like that. Um, when you face a team like the Cowboys, you'll see Dak Prescott running sometimes. You know, he doesn't always do that, but if he has the opportunity, he will. And when you have Nigel Bradham there, it's not going to be nearly as effective. And it's it just getting the leaders back there, too, because Tim Journey and Nigel Bradham were both parts of the Super Bowl team. Um, they've been here for a while. So just having those voices on the defense, um, it's kind of just a calming effect, knowing that, you know, when you get both on the back, it's like, all right, th- this is our group. Because think about the Bills game. You had Bruce Hector starting at defensive tackle. He's not even on the team anymore. He got cut after the Gennard Avery trade. So that alone there, you're going to have Tim Jernigan alongside Fletcher Cox. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, the front four is really solid now where it's not seeming like they have as many holes. And then linebacker, you have Nigel Bradham there, and the secondary is good. So the defense is really starting to shape up to be how he hoped. But the one really big thing is they need luck of getting no injuries. That's something they've struggled with, obviously. And um, they just have to stay healthy or else – it will go downhill, but as of right now, it is starting to look better. Yeah, I mean, look at the linebacker position. The one play that really stands out to me in the game against the Bills was when Nate Gary in the red zone was trying to cover Cole Beasley, and then Josh Allen was free on his own and you know, had to make the decision, am I going to go try to make a stop on Josh Allen or defend Cole Beasley? In my opinion, I think if he went to cover Beasley, I think Josh Allen was going to score either way. He would just run it himself because... That would drag uh, Gary into the end zone pretty far. Sendejo is already into the end zone, but obviously you want to see him try to make a play either way. And uh, he gave it his best, really was just confused about it. But I think Nigel Bradham, having him back, having that football IQ back on the defense and taking on that role, I don't think he would make the same mistake. Uh, In my eyes, it's not a huge mistake. Like I said, I think it, it would be a touchdown no matter how it was covered, but just the um, awareness of what you're going to be doing and um, maybe pull somebody ahead and say, hey, get Cole Beasley on this play. I'm going to spy on Josh Allen. Um, Having that awareness is definitely super important because this linebacker group is very young. But um, yeah, it seems like in the past when the Eagles have been suffering a lot of injuries, it's all happening right at the beginning of the season and throughout up into the middle. And then they get their guys, some come back healthy, but 
they get their backups back up and producing, and then it seems like they're pretty healthy for the most part. I know last year uh, Brandon Brooks went out in the playoff game against the Saints, but it's not like they're suffering a ton of injuries late in the season. I know that's not like it's going to be set in stone and you can't control injuries, but um, hopefully they can keep that going and stay healthy all the way throughout while they get these players back. You know, Hopefully Deshaun Jackson won't suffer a setback because we know how it, this is impacting this team. The offense looks so flat. So having him back, having other guys back and playing well and staying healthy is super, super important because we really need them to you know, contribute to this Eagles team. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty clear um, just where the struggles were. And, um, you know, in terms of Deshaun, that's it's such a tough situation because you're asking a guy who's clearly not going to be 100%. I mean, we've heard multiple times now. It's been a pretty consistent narrative over the last few weeks that Deshaun's not going to be 100% when he returns, and he's probably not going to be 100% for the entire season. So you're kind of asking these guys to come in um, kind of – cold turkey and say all right you've got to help us and it's a tough situation but you know if they're up to speed it's a good thing and um just like I said you know you you have to have the good luck of keeping guys healthy because you don't want to revert back into the same problem of saying oh we're without Deshaun we're without Tim Jernigan again Craven LeBlanc suffered another injury so now we're kind of thin again so that's just that's where it comes down to where you have to say all right, we need to do whatever it takes to keep our guys healthy. Maybe you pace them a little bit more. Maybe if Deshaun returns this Sunday, don't play him every snap. You know, I know Matt Collins hasn't been great, but just put him on the field for some plays. You know, if it's a running play, just throw Matt Collins out there. Let Deshaun rest. Um, it really, they haven't been super smart about it uh, to this point, but it's where the coaching staff and the training staff has to be smart about how they handle these guys because you can't say, oh, you haven't played in eight weeks. All right, go out there and play 100% right now. Like, we need it. You can't really play like that. So this this Sunday, in terms of who returns, which maybe it's Deshaun, it's most likely going to be Avante Maddox. Um, it, it'll be kind of like the first test of if the team has learned at all from these past problems with the injuries and um, just if they're ready to make that stretch run where they get the guys back and they're ready to be one of the better teams in the NFL. So, yeah, this Sunday, will it'll go a long way to making sure the confidence is there because you want to you wanna follow up a big win on the road with a big win at home. And then be sitting at the bye week feeling good about your team, especially when you have the defending Super Bowl champs coming into town. So, yeah, this Sunday, it may not seem like the biggest game, but there are some implications that definitely are worth paying uh, attention to. For sure. And I think the message the Eagles are sending out is, you know, we're confident in our guys and we're not going to make a big deal. And now our attention is now focused on the Bears. You know, we acquired about some players. We really didn't get what we wanted. So, so what? We're going to roll with our guys and we're going to look forward to this upcoming game and try to get another win and move to 5-4 and four in the season and look that much better. So right now, our focus is on the Bears. I'm really happy that Jannard Avery is part of this organization, but can't really dwell on missing out on Robbie Anderson, Chris Harris, players like that, because, you know, it is what it is. It didn't happen. Always have free agency in the draft to look forward to next year, but right now we're playing this season. We're not, you know, playing for a draft pick anymore. We're playing for playoff runs. So uh, a win this week would be huge against the Bears team that's honestly struggling quite a bit right now. Um, Logan, can you give me a bold prediction and score prediction for this game? Uh, so with my bold prediction, now this is kind of another revenge game. You know, you got Jordan Howard facing his former team. They trade him away for pretty much nothing. So for me, he he's facing a Bears team without Akeem Hicks where they've been gashed multiple weeks in a row for over 100 rushing yards. So for me, I think uh, Jordan Howard will have at least 150 total yards, both 
rushing and receiving that may factor into um if Miles Sanders is 100%, but I think Jordan Howard will have a big game. And um, for me, I got the Eagles winning 27-16. to 16. Like I said, they have a ton of momentum right now, and they will get some guys back. So I think it's just a great opportunity for them to step up and really just get a good win to feel comfortable going into the bye week. Yeah, I really like that one. I definitely agree. Jordan Howard's definitely um, going to a bigger role with this team. You had over 100 total yards last, um, last game against the Bills, and really really looking good especially in the passing game too was showing that versatility and i think he's definitely going to be in doug peterson's ear all week saying you know they disrespect they they disrespected me i was a really good player and last season they didn't really give me the the attention and the carries that i needed to be successful so let me uh show them what they're missing out on and mine's related to the running game too but on the opposite side you know they drafted David Montgomery, who, if you remember back in the draft process, he was my favorite running back in the draft. I'm obviously stoked that the Eagles got Miles Sanders, but I really liked Montgomery. And I think after his huge game last week, they're going to be trying to carry, give him some more carries. And a lot of analysts and people on ESPN and, you know, fantasy football reports, everybody's saying David Montgomery is going to be primed for a really good uh, rest of the season. He's going to get a lot of carries and he's going to carry that momentum into multiple. 100 plus yard games, couple touchdowns, stuff like that. So I think that's all going to be shut down this week. The Eagles have a really good run defense. And I think he's going to rush for under 60 yards. Um, I know that's tough to do against a single running back, especially one that's pretty good, but I think they'll get it done. They have uh, the pieces to do it. And like I said, with like Logan said, I, I should say with uh, Jordan Howard, the revenge game, you know, he is obviously not going to want to see David Montgomery play well. And the bears think, Oh, we got the better running back. So uh, I think the defense will be definitely hyped up to stop him and keep him for under 60 rushing yards. Um, so that's my bold prediction and score prediction. I think the Eagles are really, really going to come together and play well this week. I'm going to say 35 to 24. Uh, I think it's going to be a high scoring game, but the Eagles will definitely come out on top comfortably. Yeah, for sure. With Montgomery, it was kind of just like they realized what they had last week. It seemed like all year they, didn't really give him the workload he deserved. Uh, just from a fantasy perspective, you pay attention to it. It's kind of frustrating because he's supposed to be one of these guys that's supposed to be a big part of the offense. But last week, they gave him 27 carries. So this week, you should definitely expect to see a lot of David Montgomery. But I know the offense for the Bears hasn't been great. But another guy you really have to pay attention to is Allen Robinson. He's, kind of, he's really holding up his end of the bargain there. Trubisky has not been playing well. Um, I'm sure at some point you're going to, looking to starting another quarterback if these struggles continue. But that doesn't mean you can overlook the passing game. Allen Robinson's been very good this season. He's playing very well. Um, he's healthy now. So we're really going to see just what Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills are made of because those are going to be one of the best receivers they see all season. So it's going to be quite the challenge with both Montgomery and Allen Robinson. And it's it's really, like I said, it's another great opportunity just to instill that confidence because that's what, what, what it's all about right now. Um, you know, you you have these struggles and then you have a win and you don't want to feel like it's a fluke. You don't want to get a big win and then lose again and feel like, oh, well, we're back where we are. So facing those two guys, um, it's, it's a perfect opportunity at home to just show everyone, OK, we're for real and um, just get into the bye week feeling good about yourself. Yeah, I think this Bears offense is very similar to the Bills one that we faced or around the um, structure of it. You know, they have a pretty shaky position with the quarterback position. They're 
running back group is decent, not great, but they have their strengths. And uh, the wide receivers, they have pretty good receivers, but it just depends on the quarterback play, and it depends on the Eagles' defense, how they're going to play against them. So if they can take away those receivers, I think they're going to make Trubisky look really, really bad. And um, if that happens, I think they're going to try to rely on David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen to you know, run away with this game, but the Eagles' defense is not going to allow that. They're really good against the run. And they're going to be ready to go. They're back at home. And um, we know what this crowd can do. You know, they're going to hype up the defense and let them know that, you know, we got their backs. We're going to be ready for another playoff run this season. So get the win, get it comfortably. Um, I think that's definitely good to uh, point out and show that this this Bears offense and even their defense, too, it's they have their strengths. They have the players that are capable of doing it. But. Honestly, it doesn't scare me too much, and I think the Eagles will definitely get it done. And one thing I want to point out, too, is Carson Wentz has been playing really well this season, but one thing to point out is he's thrown for under 200 yards on, I believe, four games this season so far. Obviously, he did it when they uh, beat the Bills, beat the Packers. Um, I forget what other game, but he he threw for under 200 yards when they lost to the Cowboys, and I'm forgetting that fourth game right now, but I think he is definitely going to try to step up and throw a lot more yards. And if he has a Sean Jackson, I think it definitely won't be uh, a tough goal for him to throw for under 300 yards and really get back and on track. And I think just the way the league is going right now, he's not going to instantly go back into a MVP conversation like he was in the first couple of weeks. But if he gets a ton of yards um, this week, I think a lot of people are going to start talking about him again and really appreciate what he's doing because right now it's just not coming together. The offense looks flat and the, receivers aren't catching his passes as much as we want to see. So uh, I think this is going to be a good statement win for him and statement game for him. Yeah. And if you just think about the whole Carson Wentz situation, you know, yet again, last season, he was on the field when the Eagles faced the bears in the playoffs. So for him, it's kind of another opportunity to say, okay, I get to check another one of those boxes where I say, I try getting revenge against a team that I wasn't able to be on the field against in the playoffs because for him, that, that is ultimate goal getting to the playoffs and leading the team to victory and leading them as far as they can go. And that's for him, I got to feel like that's some sort of motivation, but for the bears too, that's probably some motivation as well, because they had that heartbreaking loss to the Eagles in the playoffs, missed the field goal. And they're still having those troubles this year with the kicking. So who knows, maybe special teams would be a really big factor as well. Um, They thought they figured out the kicker situation, but missed another game winner last year. So yeah, it's, it's some, if you thought times are murky in Philadelphia, they're 10 times as bad as in Chicago. So it, for them, they got to feel like they need to get this win and just get back on track. So the Eagles will see um, the Bears' best um, A game. But for Carson Wentz, I got to think that he's motivated for this game to say, OK, Nick Foles was able to beat them. So am I. So that's just another little storyline to look into. But who knows? It, it just matters of getting a win. Um, but stories like that are always at least interesting to look into. Yeah, and from an athlete standpoint, he's got to be looking onto the side from the sideline during that game. If you remember, it was a very low-scoring game. Really uh, came to the end with that missed field goal from Cody Parkey. So he was probably looking and saying, "I could be putting a lot of more points on the board. You know, I should be out there." I know he was injured, and it was best for him to stay off the field. But um, from a competitive standpoint and everything, he's probably looking. On, he was probably looking onto that field and saying. This Bears defense doesn't scare me as much as it should. Um, I can handle it, and <clears throat> I'd be scoring a lot of more points that than are that are on the board right now. I think they walked away from that game with uh, 16 points, if I'm correct. Um, so yeah. I I think he'll definitely be able to 
you know, keep that in his mind and say, you know, Foles and the Eagles last year did 16. And I'm not saying he's trying to bash Foles at all, but just from a competitive standpoint, just to, you know, show that he can do it better and he can get that win just as much as Foles could because obviously there's a huge narrative last offseason about if they made the right decision about letting Foles walk. So I think he could definitely sign some critics, critics this week. Yeah, and that, it almost seems like that conversation still dragging on. I had to tweet last week saying, let it go. Like, people were still saying, oh, should we have kept Nick Foles over Carson Wentz after that loss against the Cowboys? I mean, it, it's still there. If you ask Carson Wentz if it's motivation for him, he'll probably say no. But somewhere in the back of his mind, he's got to be thinking, all right, this is my chance. I can finally get to make everyone be quiet about it. Um, I can finally put up big points against a quote-unquote elite defense. So, it's one of those opportunities for him just to really show everyone what he's capable of. I do think it will be similar to the Bills game where it's kind of more run-first mentality and they won't make Carson Wentz do a ton of things. But if they have Deshaun back, they will let him sling a little bit and will let him throw down field. So it, it, Jordan Howard may be in line for a big game. Miles Sanders may be in line for a big game. But it, 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 for Carson Wentz, it's a great opportunity for him just to get back in there and uh, just put the, all those talks to rest. Yeah, it's definitely a big statement game for a lot of positions like the running back with Jordan Howard and his storyline but Carson Wentz like we just mentioned but also Doug Peterson he's taking a lot of criticism right now about the offense as a whole is game planning his play calling and you know where is the deep threat where is um, you know getting Matt Collins and J.J. Ortega Whiteside involved so I think he's definitely going to be looking to throw the ball quite a bit if Deshaun Jackson is back especially like I think it would be smart to put him on a bit of a pitch count and not risk of re-injury during that game and make sure that he's you know, not just going full speed. But um, if he's back on the field, I'm definitely not opposed to taking a poke to him deep every once in a while and showing the league that, you know, we were Deshaun Jackson away from being a great football team and we're right back in this. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, some people do want Deshaun to wait till after the bye. I know you were kind of um, mentioning that too, but Doug Peterson said today, if he's if he's healthy enough to play, he's going to play. They're not going to be cautious with him and just make him sit because there's the bye week. Um, he, if he's sore after the game, it will be convenient having the bye week after. So it is for him, too, a chance to see just where he's at, if he's truly ready. But it is sounding like it's trending in that direction where if he's good to go for Sunday, you're going to see him on the field. And they they won't use him in the passing game if they think there's any risk. So it this will finally be another chance just – for the fans to see Deshaun back on the field and feel like, okay, he's there. The offense is better now. We're good. So, yeah, for him too, um, don't expect him to just hold him out because there's the bye week. If he's good to go, you're going to see Deshaun on the field. And it's just like what we said for week one. You know, every time he steps foot on the field in Lincoln Financial Field, it's going to spark a buzz. So it's just yet another piece of excitement for both the teams and the fans. So this Sunday could be a really good opportunity just to put a lot of things to rest and um, just really – put the right foot forward and just keep the momentum uh excuse me momentum going <laughs> yeah i like that mindset of doug peterson i mean i think it was on um mills's instagram he had some caption either instagram or twitter and um just said our focus right now is going one and know every single week they're taking it week by week and they're not going to try to fall back one game because they know that it could come back and bite them in the future um against a pretty close divisional race right now so if they have an opportunity to get Jackson back, if he's almost healthy and can go and you know be a factor in this game, then I would fully assume that they're going to take those chances and 
get him back on the field because they're not going to risk a loss just because the bye week's coming uh, soon. Just from my standpoint and everything, if there's a, a risk of a re-injury, I like to see him stay off the field just because I think he's so important. We've seen the impact of not having him on the field, and um, it would be terrible to see him suit up and everybody get excited, then all of a sudden, oh, he's now out for the year. So just from a medical standpoint and cautious standpoint, um, if he's not ready to go, I, I believe the Eagles are on the same page with this as well. If he's not ready to go, they're not going to force him. But if he's almost to 100% and he's going to be a factor, then you better believe he's going to be on that field. Yeah, Doug Peterson, his tone is right on pace with what you're saying. He said, I don't want to put him at risk, but if he's good to go, he's going to go. Because you got to think about it. If a guy's injured and – or I should say this. If a guy's healthy and you make him go on the field and be cautious about it, you're almost putting them in position to get injured because – you're going to be thinking about it a lot more and you're going to find yourself in a bad situation. Whereas if you're just going out there and they think if they believe that you're good to go, you just go out there and play your game. Chances are you're going to be fine because you're not going to be thinking that, Oh, this turn might hurt my abdomen. And obviously you do turn and you do hurt it because you're worried about it and your body tenses up and everything. Whereas if you're just playing, you're going to be good. You're going to feel loose. You're going to just be out there and be able to do what you're able to do. So yeah, like, like what I said about Doug Peterson, if, if there's any risk, they will not send him out there. But from all uh, points to think of, it sounds like he's on track. It's not 100%. Um, I would assume he was limited today in practice and not a full participant. But if, if he's good to go, you will see him. So I, I they will be smart with him. They're not going to just get him out there because they think that they need him out there so badly. So that's definitely encouraging that they are being smart about it. And um. But yeah, if you see him on the field, just assume that he is healthy enough to be on the field. Yeah, good points there. And um, I definitely agree with that mindset. And um, hopefully by the time you're listening to this podcast, you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully when you're listening to this, then you're going to have some more um, good updates on Deshaun Jackson. Hopefully he'll be uh, in line to step on the field. So hope for the best for him, but um, definitely got to play it by ear and make sure everything's good to go and make sure he's healthy and um, ready to take this team to the next level. So um, that's all we got for you guys today. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. If you make sure you want to um, follow us on social media, we got Twitter at birds banter and Instagram birds banter, PHL leave us some comments, leave a review on Apple podcasts, make sure you subscribe. So you never miss a, another birds banter episode. And we're on to the bears. We're focused on that game. Um, not going to dwell on the trade deadline anymore. So, on to the next one, and we're going to get this season back on track. Go, Birds.